Hello, welcome to episode 9 of the Double Double. I'm Kelly Hogan, and joining me via Skype, David. Great to be here, Kelly. Yes, great to be here. We got, uh, we got a lot in store for today. We've been talking a lot of hoops recently, but today we're going to pivot into the, the football world and talk a little Cardinals quarterback situation or conundrum, our football giants and the Antonio Brown trade. But before that, if you guys wouldn't mind, please subscribing, rating, and reviewing our show on iTunes. We'd much appreciate it. You can send us an email too. And I think, David, you you did some work with a, a Twitter page. Yeah, so we've updated our Twitter account. You can give us a follow at dbl underscore dbl podcast on Twitter. Uh, follow us, as DM us, and uh, look forward to interacting with you guys on, uh, on Twitter. You can hit us up at our uh, email as well, double double four zero two at gmail.com. So we have we have a bunch of mediums that we're trying to engage the fans and our uh, our following. So if you guys wouldn't mind taking some time to, uh, you know, give us any any feedback or, or thoughts you may have on the show and how we can improve, we'd appreciate it. So all right, let's dive into this, Dave. Yep. Saturday night, the Raiders traded the sixty sixth and the one hundred and forty first overall pick for Antonio Brown. Upon the trade, they gave him a restructured contract, three years, a little over $50 million and the highest annual per year value for any wide receiver in football. So that's definitely significant. When this deal was consummated, I was initially kind of baffled because, I mean, a third and a fifth for arguably the best deep threat in the NFL seems like not much of a cost. But I think when you factor in his attitude – and the money that he was going to demand at his new destination, it probably turned off a lot of teams. So what, what did you think about the move? Yeah, so initially I was, I was very confused about this trade because I didn't really think that Brown was going to be dealt from the Steelers considering just how good he is and the salary cap ramifications for the Steelers. I think it was over $20 million in dead cap next year for the Steelers. So what that means is basically no matter what, whether Antonio Brown is on the team or not on the team, he counts for over $20 million in the Steelers cap, but they can't use that money to go sign someone else. So with that type of money tied up in Brown, I always thought that he was just going to be on the roster, even if he sat out the season like his former teammate Le'Veon Bell did. But I was even more confused that they sent him to Oakland and mainly just that Oakland pulled off a deal like this because it seemed like what they were doing all year was going to full tear down rebuild mode. And yes, they were able to get a great player in Brown for only a third and a fifth, but I don't really know how much this helps them because they're not really that close to the playoffs. Yeah. So the first thing you said, I think is interesting how the Steelers, they would have had a hit on their salary cap of a little over 22 million had Brown been on the roster and without him, it's a little over $21 million. So I thought kind of like you, maybe they call his bluff. And if he was really willing to sit out the season, all right, Antonio, if you want to do that, be my guest. Because at the end of the day, the cost incurred by the Steelers would have been pretty much identical. And a third and a fifth rounder plus a little over a million dollars to spend doesn't really seem like enough of a return for arguably the second best wide receiver of all time so i agree with you on that front and then from the raiders i think in a vacuum this decision makes sense 
you know, he's a star wide receiver who can be the face of the franchise as they make their way to Vegas. And also it gives them kind of a path to evaluate Derek Carr. I'm not sure what John Gruden thinks if Carr will be the Raiders' future quarterback or not. But this year, whether they decide to draft their quarterback or not, I, I think they'll probably start the season with Derek Carr as their starter. So being able to evaluate him with a legitimate number one wide receiver is a big deal and very important. And then a lot of people seemed a bit confused as to why they would make this trade if just last season they shipped off some of the premier guys on their roster first thing i don't really have a problem with the amari cooper trade they got a first rounder for him and he was about to have to get paid anyway and i'm not even sure he's all that great of a wide receiver he had two really good games with the cowboys that happened to be on national television and they drew a lot of eyeballs But other than that, in his last three games of the season, he didn't eclipse 30 yards. I'm not too beat up over that trade, but I I do think the Khalil Mack trade is indefensible, and that's tough to, I mean, even getting two first-round picks, I think that's a... That was a bad trade on their front. And about Mac too, is that it's kind of interesting when we talk about in the NBA with Anthony Davis, is that when you trade someone who's as good as what they do, as in a Khalil Mack or Anthony Davis, the draft picks you're going to get aren't going to be that great because they're so good at what they do that they're going to make their new team so much better. So, yes, they got a first-round pick this year from the Bears for Mack, and they have one next year, but they're in the 20s. In the, in the mid-20s, because the Bears obviously made the playoffs and had a great season, and Khalil Mack was a huge part of that. And you got to think next year the Bears are going to probably be in the playoffs again or close to the playoffs again with Mack and another year of Trubisky. So that pick may be, again, in the 20s, which the NFL draft is such a crapshoot in that you could get a really good player anywhere, but you're not getting a top 10 pick superstar prospect. You're getting a first-round pick, but in the 20s that's – that's a good pick, but not a you know an amazing haul when you think about it for the Raiders and the same thing for Cooper this year. I think it's just really interesting, though, because when you said about Derek Carr is that I'm not a big fan of Carr. I don't think he is a franchise quarterback. I think he's more of a stopgap quarterback that you have while you try to figure out the position. And yes, Brown is going to be a lot make him look a lot better. But if Brown couldn't really get along with Ben Roethlisberger, who's a who's a Hall of Famer. How do you think he's going to get along with a guy like Derek Carr who just isn't that good? Yeah, I think that'll be something to watch out. I also think it'll be something to watch how he gets along with John Gruden because I was reading an article over the weekend, and I, I didn't know this, but Keyshawn Johnson in 2003, I believe, was the year. As I'm not sure if everyone knows, but he was a very outspoken, diva-ish wide receiver, kind of in the same vein that Antonio Brown is. John Gruden sent him home for the last seven games of the season and was like, I'm tired of dealing with your bullshit. So that's something to keep an eye on. And I'm sure John Gruden and Mike Mayock, their new GM out there in Oakland, former NFL Network draft guru, had a lot of say in this decision. But I, I think along with how he gets along with Carr, it'll be interesting to follow how the Gruden Brown dynamic evolves as well. And I think, In this deal, Antonio Brown is the clear-cut winner along with the Raiders. He wanted a new team. He got it. He wanted a new contract, and he got it. He's always been underpaid relative to other elite wide receivers. 
so from 2013 to 2016, listen to this. He averaged 120 catches for just under 1,600 yards and 11 touchdowns per season while making $7.2 million. And for some context, $7.2 million is less than what Marquise Lee and Dante Moncrief will both make from the Jaguars and less than what Albert Wilson and Kenny Stills will both make from the Dolphins this season. So he's been severely underpaid for much of his career, so it's really hard to fault him for demanding a new contract. And speaking to what you said earlier, how when when a team trades a player for a draft pick, a lot of times that draft pick is a depreciating asset because the player you're sending to the team improves the team. So therefore, the pick, the Bears pick, for instance, without Khalil Mack may have been 12 to 15, and now it's 25-ish. But I'm, I'm kind of curious to see if forcing trades becomes what holdouts have been. If people see the Antonio Brown blueprint and see what he was able to accomplish by demanding a trade, if other stars will follow suit. Yeah, you know, that's that's a really interesting thought because the way that the Steelers went through this is that they kind of, because obviously there was the trade to Buffalo that kind of fell through the cracks and then trading him to Oakland, they kind of went through this. It says, okay, Antonio, like you don't want to be here. We're going to send you almost a football purgatory. We're going to send you to, to, to really tough spots that aren't that going to be great for his career. It seems like immediately because Oakland probably won't make the playoffs this year. Buffalo definitely wouldn't make the playoffs with Josh Allen, their quarterback. It's like, okay, go have fun playing with a mediocre quarterback and a very difficult head coach personality. Uh, no one's going to get traded like Khalil Mack did to what seems like a really great spot in Chicago for him. Uh, Cause I think it depends on like the personality that you've had with the team because Brown comes with a lot of off the field concerns. He has a lot of, he has some multiple legal issues right now that the NFL is investigating. He's been very difficult to deal with. Apparently it's been reported that, you know, he would be late to meetings and would show up to practice when he wanted to. And just a tough guy in the locker room, uh, personality wise to, to get along with. It's almost interesting that when it's, then when it's someone who maybe doesn't have that great of a standing with their team, that that impacts what you're saying the holdout then trade scenario when it's a guy who's more of like you know like the quote unquote consummate professional doing everything right who maybe a team will go out of their way say hey we can't really pay you this much but we're going to make sure that you get to a, a good spot as long as we get the return that we want yeah i think he's definitely been a malcontent and it'll be interesting to see how he fares in oakland we've seen other disgruntled superstar wide receivers wind up in oakland a la randy moss and while, while he did revive his career in New England, he kind of disappeared out in Oakland. So hopefully, for Antonio Brown's sake, that doesn't happen to him. Yeah. I got one last question for you about the Antonio Brown stuff. So it seems like there's the model in the NFL right now is that when you're really close to the championship and you feel like you're on the verge, you make a trade like this and you kind of go for it. And I'm thinking of like the Rams with this, especially in the last year and a half, uh, trading a lot of draft assets for these superstar players if it really only was a third and a fifth for antonio brown why i mean maybe they are they were in on these talks but are you surprised that you haven't heard more about a playoff team like green bay or the rams or maybe even like the chargers 
going all in. So, you know, teams that feel like that they're one player, one dynamic player away from making a run at the Super Bowl. Because this really isn't a lot for a player of his caliber. Take away all the other issues with Brown. A lot of it has to do with what you were talking about earlier with Brown's discipline issues. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that the Raiders were willing to give him a new contract upon agreeing to the deal. Because as we saw, he was probably going to be traded to Buffalo, but he essentially said he didn't want to play in Buffalo. And after that whole interview that he had with Jeff Darlington of ESPN, how he was like, I don't really need football. That kind of gave Antonio Brown all the leverage because then dependent upon what teams were interested in trading for him, he could almost dictate his destination in a sense. So I think, I think that plays into it, but it, it is definitely shocking to me that it was only a third and a fifth. And the only possible explanation I could think of as to why a team wouldn't, I mean, you could make, you could present an argument that he's the best wide receiver in football. And it's tough to rationalize how he's not traded for at least one first round pick without his attitude problems. So I think his attitude problems and his issues off the field and the distraction that he comes with and the baggage he comes with has a lot to do with it. What do you think? Yeah, it's got to be all the off the field concerns because people talk in the league. I don't know if you read the right Thompson piece about the scouting combine, but teams talk, they share rumors, uh, and there's, there's got to be a lot of, from the guys who are quote-unquote football guys who are in the NFL, who do this as a profession, not just you know us who are huge fans and love talk about it, but people with real inside information with teams, there's got to be a lot of talk about what Antonio Brown is really like because a lot of teams see him through the Pro Bowl, uh, the playoffs. A lot of teams have come in contact with Brown. That is not like he's just locked away in Pittsburgh without any access to the rest of the league, you know? So so moving on, the Arizona Cardinals have the first overall pick. Cliff Kingsbury is their new head coach, former Texas Tech guy, where it has been rumored ever since he gave an interview, I think in October, when he was still the coach of Texas Tech, praising then Oklahoma starting quarterback Kyler Murray and saying that he would pick him number one overall. Coincidence that he now is the head coach of the team with the number one overall pick. Which has now created a situation of Kyler Murray versus Josh Rosen. So kind of what are your thoughts on on this whole situation? I think as it stands right now, Kyler Murray will be drafted number one overall and will go to the Arizona Cardinals. I'm not necessarily sure I agree with it or I would act in that fashion but i think given kingsbury's background the type of offensive system that he runs in which the quarterback has to be able to make plays inside and outside the pocket i think kyler murray fits that prototype to a t and while i find it hard to believe that they're giving up on josh rosen after one season ultimately i think rosen will be on the trade block and Kyler Murray will be starting for the Arizona Cardinals week one. What do you think? I could definitely see that situation playing out. And I think currently, you know, if the draft was tomorrow, March 12th, that Murray would probably be the number one overall pick. I still don't really believe that he is a franchise quarterback in the NFL, mainly just due to his size and, 
you know, he didn't really start that many games at Oklahoma. And I, I still have a lot of questions about Murray that it'll be interesting to see how the pre-draft process plays out and we learn more about him and guys and teams evaluate him further. I would be stunned if they just gave up on, on Rosen. This, this feels like to me, if they're not going to take one of the big defensive linemen, this, this feels like almost a trade back situation for Arizona, where if they could trade back to, to three or four and Murray was still on the table, then they would take him. But I didn't think Rosen was that bad this year. All right, let me, let me stop you right there. We're going to talk about Rosen in a minute. Kyler Murray would instantly make the Arizona Cardinals relevant, a place where they haven't really been since Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald and Anquan Bolden had them in the Super Bowl against the Steelers. But I do think there is something to what you were saying. There's all this reporting and speculation, and it seems that Murray to the Cardinals is essentially a done deal. But I do think there is a possibility that perhaps the Cardinals are sending smoke screens across the league and trying to drive up the price for the number one overall pick. Because, say, a team like the Raiders with John Gruden, who have multiple first-round picks that they didn't have to give up in the Antonio Brown trade, if they're interested in Kyler Murray, maybe they'd be willing to part with two or maybe even all three picks. That'd be a bold move. But if they love Kyler Murray that much, who knows what John Gruden would do. And the defensive line is so deep in this draft that if you were to drop from 1 to even 8, 9, 10 in that range, you're still going to get a very good player. And the Cardinals have so many holes to fill that I'm not sure that'd be a bad strategy. And then, as you were mentioning, they still have Josh Rosen in the fold. Yeah, the the Raiders are the most interesting team, I think, to watch out for, like you were saying, with all those first-round picks because they probably need a quarterback. It's not like... Josh Rosen where he's only played one season and it's still probably tough to evaluate where he is going forward Derek Carr has been in the league now I think this is his fourth or fifth season you know what Derek Carr is he's he's fine you know I'm personally not that big a fan of his but if I was the Raiders with Gruden and uh, Mike Mayock I'd definitely be looking to see if we get a, a true franchise guy there and Maybe if Murray is that guy, as you were saying, I think that would be really interesting if they moved all the way up because the Cardinals are one of those teams where they just have so many holes across their whole roster that almost having the first pick isn't that great for them because, yes, they're going to get a great player, but they just need as many picks as possible to fill out that, to fill out that roster. So if they could trade with Oakland and trade back and just accumulate more draft capital and just get more uh, chances to, to hit on some of these guys to get true impact players. I think that is the strategy that, that they should go for. And it'll be interesting to see what they do because as you're saying, Murray is a exciting player and would bring them back to relevancy. So it's interesting. If, do they want to be immediately relevant, even if they're not that good or do they just want to, try to get relevant through being really good first. Yeah, and speaking of Rosen, a lot of people had him as their number one quarterback last season in a class that was filled with Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, but it wasn't a crazy thought to have Rosen as the top-ranked quarterback just 12 months ago. So to write him off after one bad season seems almost foolish to me, especially considering the offensive line that he played behind was... I mean, he may as well have been playing behind traffic cones. 
And, I mean, we've seen other quarterbacks struggle mightily as rookies. Peyton Manning comes to mind. So I think writing Rosen off at this point wouldn't make much sense considering the fact that you also traded up last year to to get him. And so I think you'd be punting a little early on him. But it seems as though that might be the, the avenue they're taking. And the way Rosen's contract was structured, he's only owed $6 million over the next three years. So he essentially accounts for 1% of the salary cap on whatever team he were to play for, which makes him a very attractable asset, considering that most serviceable backups get paid somewhere in like the 6 to $8 million range. Yeah. So you can have a young quarterback – who is getting paid $2 million per year, whose ceiling is the roof, as Michael Jordan once said. His his yep. potential is limitless. And to get him on that deal, I mean, if you can, if you're the Patriots or a team like that, it, it makes all the sense in the world to, to make a trade for Rosen. And, I mean, we're both Giants fans. If, if I'm the Giants and I can get Josh Rosen for the 37th pick in the draft, I'm, do, I'm doing that deal yesterday. Yeah, the... The part about Rosen that doesn't really make any sense is what's being leaked out and reported is that teams and the Cardinals are only valuing him as a third round pick and maybe a second, which doesn't make any sense for a guy who was picked in the top 10 last year and was arguably the number one quarterback prospect in a very deep quarterback draft class. And I'm right there with you. The, the model in the NFL right now has been for Super Bowl winning teams is you get a really good young quarterback and while they're on a rookie deal, you fill out the rest of the roster. The Seahawks did this with Russell Wilson. The Rams just did this with Jared Goff. The Eagles did it with Carson Wentz. You get these really good quarterbacks on their rookie deal. You fill out the rest of the roster with uh, high level, high paid veterans and you make and you can make a Super Bowl push. The Bears are trying to do this with Mitchell Trubisky right now. And if you are a team with an old quarterback like the city, like the Los Angeles Chargers or the Patriots or maybe even the Steelers or maybe even our New York Giants, that if you can get a potential franchise quarterback on a rookie contract for a third round pick, you have to do it. I mean, and, and let's not get it twisted. Rosen was bad last year. Yep. But there were extenuating circumstances that led to that poor play. It wasn't all of his own doing. Sure, he could have been better, but a lot of it was the environment he was in. I mean, he played for Steve Wilkes, who was on the job for 10 months, and now he's look, looking for work. But so let's, let's look at this from the Giants' perspective, because as, as you mentioned, we're both Giants fans. I think we're both in agreement the Giants need to get a quarterback this season. Either through the draft, yeah. through trade, through free agency, they have to they have to bring someone in. If you were to rank Rosen, Dwayne Haskins, and Kyler Murray, how would you rank them? Yeah, I would probably have Rosen number one, Haskins second, and Murray third, just because I think of where you would have to draft Haskins and Murray is that Haskins might be there at six, but for Haskins and Murray, you or have to be worried that a, another team who needs a quarterback will trade up ahead of you and take the guy that you want. So it might lead to the Giants to make sure that they get the quarterback that they want, having to move up in the draft, which will cost them a lot of draft capital. And the Giants are a team like the Cardinals, who have so many holes on their roster that they need to keep as many draft assets as possible to get as many chances to hit on some of these guys. 
And so if they could only give up a third round pick for Rosen and kind of have him sit behind Eli for as long as you want Eli to keep starting and have Rosen be the successor, I think that is the best strategy just because of what they would have to give up for Rosen. And then at number six, they can take another player to fill out the rest of the roster at a position of need, like a pass, like a pass rusher or a cornerback, or maybe even trade back and get more uh, draft picks. So that's where I would rank them. What about you? I'm on the exact same page as you. I think Josh Rosen, if you can get Josh Rosen, you do that in a heartbeat. I don't think they're touching Kyler Murray. I think even if he's there at six, they're not touching him. I think Haskins is the guy that they would consider. And with quarterbacks in the draft that we've seen recently dating back to, we saw Winston and Mariota, we saw Goff and Wentz. A lot of these guys go one, two, just because of the importance of the quarterback position. So there's a, there's a likelihood that the Giants, if they are set on taking Dwayne Haskins, will have to trade up to get him. I don't think they can stay put at six and hope that he falls to them. And if they're that much in love with Haskins, just based on the value and importance of the quarterback position, they'd be foolish not to trade up. But I think it's mm-hmm. in their best interest if they can acquire Josh Rosen, even if they have to give up a second this year and a second next I wouldn't even be opposed to that. Let him learn under Eli. Let Eli, you know, ride out, hopefully on a high note. But you bring Josh Rosen in and let him learn. I'm not sure there's a better scenario than that than the Giants can get in this draft. No, definitely. And because also at six, as you were saying, there's so many really good defensive players in this draft that Dave Gettleman talks about. You want to build the team defense first. You know, he calls them the hog mollies, I think, like getting big guys and, and you know, really build from the line of scrimmage out. This year's draft class has tons of really good defensive linemen. If at six, if a guy like Ed Oliver is still there or Quinnen Williams from Alabama, uh, maybe even Joey Bosa, or not Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa from Ohio State, those types of guys who could be impactful along the line of scrimmage. I personally like Jonah Williams, the offensive tackle from Alabama as well. But... If you build from the lines at six, you can do that if you have the quarterback situation figured out by going and getting a guy like Josh Rosen, because then you could figure out in training camp how much does Eli really have left and figure out how far Rosen is behind and how many more reps he needs to get ready to take over the starting spot, because the Giants have weapons for a young quarterback to utilize. They have Odell Beckham, Sterling Shepard, they have Evan Engram, and they have uh, Saquon Barkley. So the, there was a lot more weapons in New York than there was in Arizona for Rosen, which kind of was a big key that you saw Jared Goff having to deal with out in L.A., was that as the team got better around him and the coaching staff was better, Goff really flourished. So it'll be interesting to see if Rosen's could flourish in New York with the change of scenery. I think he'd also really flourish in New York in terms of the media and the spotlight. Because yeah. before the draft, he was compared a lot just from a – personality aspect to that of Aaron Rodgers just he's very outspoken he has a lot of charisma a lot of confidence he's naturally curious but I think it's I mean we're getting to the point with Odell and Saquon's only in his second year but these guys are superstar level skill position players we can't be wasting their primes we don't want to look at Odell Beckham and, and view him like Kelvin Johnson this dude who just puts up absurd numbers makes crazy catches dominates games but his team just doesn't have success. We don't want to look at Saquon. He plays like Barry Sanders, but we don't. When people think of Barry Sanders, they think of this 
extraordinary talent whose team was just terrible, terrible. Mm-hmm. And he, both players essentially retired rather than continue to play just because of the ineptitude surrounding them. And so the Giants, they're not at that level yet, but I think it's very, very important over the next couple years, rather than punt and do an NBA-style rebuild where it takes three, five, seven years to get this, this ship turned around, I think it's important to almost make amends on the fly, which is why I think Josh Rosen, give him a year under Eli, in the right circumstance, I really believe he could thrive. I'm right there with you. And because the the Giants have a lot of holes on their roster, but they also have hit on you know the draft picks that they have hit on, which has been far and few between. The guys who they have hit on are superstar level players. So it'll be interesting to see with with Gettleman because Gettleman did a good job last year in the draft. Barkley is awesome. Will Hernandez was very good in in the second round. If give Gettleman some more draft picks, and if he keeps up what he did last year. He finds a couple, you know, diamonds in, in the rough. The Giants might be a playoff team next year, but a big part of that is figuring out the, the quarterback position because even if this is Eli's last season and you want to give him one more shot, you think he's the best guy for the job. Eli's 38 years old. It's hard to imagine after this season he's going to be, he's going to get more productive. And so figuring out the quarterback going forward is such a huge thing for our New York Giants that it's something that really they should look at this offseason with if with Josh Rosen or maybe even Nick Foles. Yeah, I'm I'm not on the Nick Foles train. I'll uh you can ride that one, but I'm Well Foles Foles is the if they can't get Rosen, you get him for one or two seasons as a stopgap and try to make something work with all the players you have around him and you try to go ten and six a couple times and have a magical miracle run in, in the playoffs. But I agree with you, Foles isn't the long term answer. He's more of like a one or two year stopgap option while you figure out what to do in the draft with uh, getting a young quarterback yeah i could see that like a case keenum or a teddy bridgewater type yeah is there anything else you want to hit on or you want to call a call quits uh just want to say farewell landon collins uh great new york giant first few years and he just got paid 45 million guaranteed in his six year 84 million dollar contract with with washington he was a great new york giant and wish him the best going forward yeah, he'll be staying in the NFC East, and the Giants will get a nice, tasty, compensatory pick for his departure. Another pick, another chance to pick another superstar player. That's what it's all about in, in the NFL, draft capital. So that'll do it for Episode 9. Later this week, we're joined by Harry Rafferty. We're pumped. David's going out to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And we might be joined by a few other surprise guests, but we'll, uh, we'll keep you guys in the loop on that one. So take care, and we'll catch you next time on the Double Double.